0: We don't learn that we can build a business and elevate humanity. We don't learn that we can have empathy and we can have care and that as leaders, all of the people that are in our care are really one of the greatest ways that we could give back to the world.
1: Welcome to Good Business Talking, and I'm your host, Ravi Rai. On today's show is Ron Hill, founder and ex-CEO of Redemption Plus. A few topics we discussed included how he changed his business, and in his words, from making shit to changing the world. We spoke about the importance of purpose and the impact, both positive and negative, of repurposing your business. And finally, the importance of leaders showing up as imperfect human beings. I have to say, I loved his calming and thoughtful nature. So without further ado, let's get started. Ron Hill, Founder, CEO. Welcome, and uh, appreciate you taking the time to share your story with us today. Can you maybe tell the listeners what Redemption Plus, you know, the business, does, the size, the markets?
0: Yeah, so Redemption Plus um, works in the Family Entertainment Center and Bowling Entertainment Center markets. Um, But it's basically when you go in and you play games and you get tickets and you trade those for prizes. When you go in and you get a prize, there's an experience that you have. Because very often when you come to redeem your tickets and you get your prize or prizes as you leave, that is typically the last experience that you have. And so we want to make sure that it is a good one because it's going to be a lasting one. So we do the services and product. So, and I'm saying we, um, you know, I'm no longer the CEO of Redemption Plus. I founded the company and was at the helm for 24 years.
1: Look, uh, just kind of one thing that coming out for me initially is that we're talking about businesses being a force for good. Yeah. Um, you know, Redemption Plus shows a bunch of that stuff, which we'll go on to in a moment. But h- how do you reconcile that with what your business does in terms of actually importing, you know, small plastic products that some could argue damage the environment?
0: That is a fantastic question. You're just going right into the deep end, right? First <laughs> first question, let's just, let's not waste any time. Let's just jump right in there. There's a lot I could say about that because it has been a very long journey. And at the beginning of that journey, it was one I didn't even think about. Um, and so the fact that we had products that were being made in China and put on a boat Brought over to the United States and then train trucks, and we sent them around, and then ultimately they might go in a landfill. Never really thought about that, but that came much later as we found purpose. It was a light bulb that went off and said, You know what? I'm not really sure the products that we're selling um, are the best for our planet. And so then we started thinking of how do we change that? But ultimately, to answer your question, I feel that uh, there's a lot of companies that. Are out there that are in the similar boat so how do we become better today than we were yesterday it's not about making that jump in one day or one week or one month but let's just start walking and let's start this journey on how we become better and so then we start learning and we start inspiring each other so i don't think it's about eliminating it but let's just do better
1: hmm. I-, I love that what you said is about you know let's just start walking and so for me <clears throat> what's coming out this uh... Building a business as a force for good, it's a journey. Let's kind of go all the way back to, what, 1996 when when you set this up from your parents' basement. So what was the spark? What drove you to say, you know what, I'm giving this nice, comfortable, paid job uh, in technology and I am going to set up this uh, redemption business?
0: Ultimately, my experience in corporate America had been a butt in a seat to say it pretty bluntly. So that anybody in place that I worked, what was important is when I got there and how long my butt sat in that seat. And I felt there was a lack of care. It it just was the first two or three years I was in the workplace. I was thinking, this is what I went to college for, right? I spent all this time preparing and now I was going to have the rest of my life to go to work for somebody that didn't care about me. And probably didn't care about the environment. That wasn't really even a conversation in the late eighties, early nineties when I started my career. And it just didn't feel right. It felt really incongruent with who I was. So I wanted to start my own company where I could create a life that I wanted to live, a place where I wanted to go every day. So I thought if that's important to me, I bet that's important to other people. So how could we create a community of people that could be inspired to live a life better than what they thought they could do. So that was really, back at the very beginning, it was probably more the how and what I wanted this company to be than the specific, this is the product. But for me at the beginning, it was a couple of things. The technology piece really, really sparked my interest on how we delivered (laughs) the products um, was inspiring and could make an impact, which it did, it ultimately ended up changing our entire industry and the way all of our competitors did business based upon how we were driving technology um, with that.
1: So so what I'm hearing in that is, you actually started with what you know, i.e. tech, and then you married that with what you think is important around a life that's worth leading And you found the intersection, that's what Redemption Plus came out to you. Would that that be fair or did I get that wrong? No,
0: I think that's very fair, but I didn't know it at the time. And you know why I didn't know it? Because I wasn't taught that. In fact, even when we go to college, we don't learn that we can build a business and elevate humanity. We don't learn that we can have empathy and we can have care. And that as leaders, all of the people that are in our care are really one of the greatest ways that we could give back to the world. We're not taught any of that. So my natural bent to care about that felt like I was going against the grain. And I almost that I was doing something wrong. <laughs> so my own journey was kind of go. I would go back and forth. I'm like, oh, yes, I want to do this. I'm driven to do it. And then somebody was like, well, you can't do that. You just need to make sure people know who's boss and intimidate them and fire somebody occasionally so that you know people are a little scared and and did you need to overcome their
1: perception around this? Or given the fact that it was your business, you could just rally on and do what you thought was important and the right thing to do?
0: Well, we needed money to start the business. And I did have a group of investors. And looking back, we were greatly underfunded um, for a business that was going to build inventory. And in fact, you know what we learned is the more that we grew, the more dollars we needed to have to build that inventory. So I did have to appease banks. Um, I did have to appease some investors. We didn't have a lot of investors, but we had a few. Um, so there was always that conflict. But when you align with those people that have at least the same belief, um, then that I think that changes everything.
1: What kind of conversations did you have there? Was it that you were trying to convince or was it that you were informing and then the spark kind of came on for them and they were in?
0: I remember meeting with a number of people, that looked at the business model and said, this is never going to work. Probably the way it was presented at the beginning, it didn't work. We we continued to iterate over the years. And we continued to change, which ultimately led us to become purpose-driven. But as we became purpose-driven, the conversation was different. And it was much more passionate. And I was looking for, how do we do both? right? How do we do good with our people and become profitable? And I had seen many, many examples that not only could you do both, but actually you became more profitable when you actually took care of your people. And now I would say people profit and planet. And mean, we get to do really all three of those things. Can you tell us a little, little bit
1: about the story of kind of how your purpose even came about from when you started in 96, where did that come from?
0: What happened with Redemption Plus is that we were a sales organization. And so that was my background. So we built a product, suddenly, um, customers were demanding um, the technology that we were offering and how we delivered product. So we were growing, 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 and um, had all these accolades. You know, We were always on the list of the fastest growing companies in Kansas City and um, best businesses to work for. And then suddenly I looked down and found that the more that we actually grew and the more that we sold, the less money we had on the bottom line. And so we really got into this idea of waste and rework this whole operational component. And so I went to an event and I heard a speaker that talked about purpose. Um, And it wasn't just the purpose, but it was core values. And it wasn't what I know of as conscious capitalism today or stakeholder orientation, but it was really about how you use process and how you really understand the unspoken need of the customer. And so I heard all of these things, And it was this idea that if you really become good, you spend your money to become good at what you do, then that becomes your marketing. You shouldn't have to spend money on marketing if it's really, really a great service that you're providing. So I was inspired by all of these things. So I brought this gentleman in and we went on a journey. And this was about an eight-month journey. And ultimately, we started with purpose. And it wasn't, let's make up a purpose, but what is the purpose that was already in the business? And so much of that purpose went back to, the beginning where I wanted to create a place so that people could live a life better Mm. than what they thought they would be able to lead. It was was everything. There was a lot to do around that. We started, we had these annual events called Purpose Powwows. And um, I got to where I started off the first year and then it just became like a line that we said where it's, we used to sell shit Mm. and now we're changing the world. And Mm. at the beginning, it felt weird to say that. But then it was like, yeah, we used to sell shit, but now we get to change the world without purpose as the true north that even over the next four to five years, which the journey was, there's no way we could have accomplished everything that we accomplished without having that true north. Mm. And at the very beginning, every leader in the company was asked what our purpose was. Every one of us had a different answer.
1: Mm.
0: So you talk about Efficiency. You talk about streamlining process, wasting rework. When all of your leaders think that you're there <laughs> to do something different, that creates a lot of tension and stress in the organization.
1: Oh, okay. So, with this purpose around enriching the lives of others, and in the intention around elevating humanity, I mean that's audacious. That's huge. How does? Can you share with us how that? translates itself into how the business operates on a day-to-day basis
0: um so we found purpose and i'm like this is it like it's all smooth sailing from here this is the answer i had a big office because i thought and this is it like, i had a big office i'm like <laughs> I, i've like arrived um i just started walking differently and behaving differently and so did the leadership team and eventually people are like what What's going on? Why was I behaving differently than I had before? So that was really the launching point for us to share with the organization about purpose. And then from there, people had to buy into it. And at one point, we just stopped hiring people that weren't aligned with our core values and weren't there to fulfill the purpose. And through that process, we hired people that were there because they were inspired by the purpose but they weren't willing to do the work to uphold the purpose. That was one of the very first lessons. So this was a a good three-year process where we turned over probably over 50% of our employees. Oh, wow. My leadership team turned over by over 50% too. And people would leave because, you know, when you declare your purpose and your intention to the world, I do believe that the universe pushes back and says, okay, Mm -hmm. let's see if you really mean that. Those were always conversations for learning and growth. And if somebody ultimately chose they did not wanna be there to fulfill the purpose, then they couldn't stay. And that caused all kinds of stress on the organization, but ultimately it made it stronger.
1: Surely that's gotta be freaking you out. What were you feeling when, you know, another person bites the dust and leaves who was a good performer?
0: Fear, stress, um, questioning everything. I mean, it was really, really scary because there were leaders that came to me and said, Ron, you have pushed me and I have grown, but I'm not willing to go any further. So I cannot be here anymore. But I will tell you that anytime I've lost somebody, there's a space that opens and it gets filled and it would get filled by some of the most amazing people, which ultimately led me to creating the best leadership team. Oh, but man. it it ultimately allowed us to grow and become who we were supposed to be. You
1: know, if I think about traditional cultural change programs, um, you know, and the, the general method is you know, once you've defined where you want to get to, there is this big launch, rah-rah event, right? This is what we're about. But you guys took a total 180 degree approach. You know what? No fanfare here. No rah-rah. Let's start shoving up differently. So let's yeah. lead by example. And then people are curious and then they're pulled in rather than you forcing this on. And I wonder whether that shifts people from being compliant to what you want being committed because they're coming to you rather than you telling them.
0: I love the way that you put that because so much of my life as a leader, I've tried to force things. We get to inspire people, but ultimately we have to create something that people are attracted to and that come to us. And that ultimately is what builds a team that can do great things. I think people rally around something that's much bigger than themselves. And I think purpose is what... What causes that so that you it it changes the way that you're leading?
1: That's really interesting. I never thought of it that way, that if you've got a compelling enough purpose, what I'm hearing, you say from your experiences, the role of a manager or leader isn't so much to motivate because the purpose will be motivating enough. I guess your job then becomes getting out of the way and letting them just release and help figure out how they fulfill in that purpose, given the job that they've got to do.
0: Yeah. I, I think your job is a coach and it's, you know, there's this idea of servant leadership I and mean, what, what do your people need? How do you take roadblocks out of the way? How do you advocate for them? How do you really help to inspire them to become better people? Cause I do think that as we grow individually, which is the whole conscious leadership journey as we become better people. We're going to be better employees. We're going to be better teammates. We're going to be better husbands, wives, fathers, sons, daughters. And so, and I I do believe that 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 piece of this journey is all connected.
1: So it's interesting also then, just by doing that, you're already on the path of enriching the lives of others because you're allowing them to be the best they can because they're all of a sudden they're in a space and in a place that connects with them. So, huh, interesting. I'm imagining you know, since discovering your purpose, or rediscovering, should I say articulating it, and all of the incredible work that you've done, I'm also hearing in your voice, it was tough. Um, It was really, really difficult, not only from a perspective of having 50% turnover of staff as well as as your leadership team. Um, What would you say was the biggest challenge for you in shifting your business to become a purpose driven business?
0: Well, I would say it was the people aspect. And I think that will always be the biggest challenge. And I think it will always be the ultimate reward in a business. Um, ultimately, we brought in an outside company that was on the outside, aligned with purpose driven companies and how to help build purpose driven culture. And so through that, I ultimately ended up bringing on um, somebody from that group full time. And she became one of the co COOs that is actually still running the company. There was so much about the people piece and how we engage and how we listen and how we have tough conversations. So much of that is really, really became the, I would say the soul of Redemption Plus, Mm -hmm. but that really took finding the right people that could help me because I knew what my bent was, but i needed people to help execute operationally and be okay disagreeing because just because we're aligned around purpose doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything we shouldn't Mm -hmm. being able to build this culture where we can speak open and honestly and it's not going to hurt our inner child or whatever the conflicts that we have and then ultimately as we bring people in i feel like as an organization they're part of our family Somebody challenged me once and they're like, this isn't a work family. This is just business. And I thought about that. I'm like, you know what? It's not just business and it's not a work family. It is a family. It's a family that we choose. And we often spend more time with that family than we do our actual family. It's the same stuff at home (laughs) with our real family, right? We make mistakes. We step on people's feet. Sometimes we raise our voice and we shouldn't. And we just apologize. And so when we bring somebody in, they are under our care and it doesn't mean somebody gets to stay forever, Mm -hmm. but it does mean that we put our very best into helping to nurture them to become a better person, to giving them the skill set they need to do the job better. And as businesses change and evolve, then we need to help our employees be able to change and evolve and grow. And for Redemption Plus over the 24 years, we were growing and evolving as a company. And so the roles were changing. And so, We had an obligation to help our team continue to grow and to be able to fill those new roles that we had.
1: Interesting. You you remind me of something I heard uh, Bob Chapman say just last week, the CEO of Barry Waymiller. Yeah. You know, Incredibly inspiring guy. Um, And how he's, you know, he's all about family too, right? Every every employee is someone's precious child. Yeah. I'm so
0: inspired by him. You
1: know, there's this age old saying, treat people the way you want to be treated. And he goes, that's not up to date it's about treating people the way they want to and need to be treated because everyone's individual just like when you have family everyone in that family is different yeah
0: bob chapman also says in his book everybody matters i read that book and i highlighted like probably the entire book with all of these things i was going to do afterwards but there, there's a comment in there that most corporations um, strive to be profitable and then donate some of those profits to big organizations, big nonprofits. But they harm hundreds of people along the way because they create this environment of stress and fear. And that the greatest charity that we can have as a leader is creating a place for our people to thrive as human beings. Mm. And that made such an impact on me. Mm. I mean, that, that, this was at the very beginning of the journey i said that's what i want to do when i think about enriching lives it's how do i help these people lead these lives that are beyond what they thought and what you just said where it's how people want to be treated not how i treat other people like i want to be treated because like my goals and aspirations and what i want out of life may be very different than somebody else's but it doesn't mean theirs are any less important than what mine are and so we, we can help everybody be able to fulfill those i believe it creates a healing um, for the organization, and it it creates a healing for the planet.
1: So coming back to your incredible intention around helping people, how on earth do you measure that? You want to be a force for good. You want to enrich the lives of others. You want to elevate humanity. And, uh, you know, we all know it's a standard saying, measures drives behavior. How do you measure your intention of being a force for good and your pursuit of your purpose?
0: I do believe as um, a company that is a force for good, that it's a stakeholder business, as a conscious capitalist, you really need to be about people, planet and profits. So I think that you've got to have impact measurements that measure each one of those. And so for us, really starting with the people, piece of it was really around engagement. And we did all kinds of assessments, but ultimately I believe what was the most impactful is really understanding how engaged our employees were. And if we could continue to drive that engagement, it meant we were doing the right job and that we were enriching lives. Because if we weren't doing that, then customers were not gonna be engaged in the workplace. Um, So we did look at turnover. and as a and i know some companies just pride themselves on turnover and they just don't have hard conversations <laughs> and people just get to stay and do whatever they want to do and that does work for oddly for some companies um we were not a company where that worked and then the, the planet piece um is a little more complicated and the road we were heading down at the beginning of this year was really about um using b impact study mm-hmm. um because I felt like as a B Corp, you can say you wanna be a conscious business, but a B Corp actually measures your impact and they do have an impact assessment. And so that was the place where we started actually a couple of years ago and saying, okay, this is our impact score. So what are the initiatives that we need to have this year to improve? And Mm -hmm. I'm somebody that wants to get things done I want it done right now. I want to make the biggest impact that we can make. So that part of my own growth was saying, okay, I need to be happy with what I can do today. And so I'm going to go back to, I think something I said at the beginning, it's about, let's just start walking. And so, and then ultimately the third piece of that is just financially. And what happened for us, we had people that were willing to stand up and say, this isn't the right decision. We're wasting money over here. We Mm -hmm. can do it better over here. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a suggestion for a better idea. Ultimately created a company that was much more profitable. So I think that there's a lot of different ways to measure impact, but you have to measure them in those three buckets.
1: So looking back now over your 24 years in uh, building Redemption Plus, um, what would you have done differently that would have either helped accelerate your impact or have helped you make a bigger impact?
0: I love this question. I mean, if I was starting a company again, which I will get the opportunity to do, it would start with purpose. It would most likely be a B Corp. And there would be an impact built into the very, very beginning of that company. And you would bring in people that were drawn to that purpose. I think that would change a lot of the struggles that we had. But ultimately, the struggles come back to me and my own journey. You know, I would think at the very beginning, i if I had been willing to grow more and to grow faster, I think that would have helped the trajectory of the company for sure. But then again, I think these things all happen in the timeframe they're supposed to happen in. We all have a personal journey. We all have stuff that we carry. Um, And, you know, ultimately my own journey was prompted by my son's um, addiction to drug and alcohol at 16 years old and finding my family um, in a place that was scary and was foreign. And so, fortunately, we found an amazing program. And they're like, Well, yeah, you guys are going to go too. Like, we're going to, it's this is a family thing. I resisted what I would say this call to adventure. And ultimately, as I jumped into it, it led me to really understand more about who I was and who I was trying to be. And I was trying to show up um, as somebody that I was not and how I could become more authentic. And so what I would say is that I learned how to heal myself became less frustrated. I would say I'm, I am and probably always will be a recovering control freak. And one of the biggest things I learned in this journey is I, I can't control anything, nothing, you know, looking back, it's close to four years since that journey. And um, I'm a different person. I'm a different leader. I created space, allowed my son to heal. It helped my company to heal. Um, my family is stronger. And so I just continue to use that energy to help be a better leader. And that's what really connected all those dots for me, my own personal journey to thank, you know what, like Bob Chapman said, everybody that works for us is somebody's son or daughter. And, you know, I just went on this whole journey. Everybody in an organization has their own journey. Um, and when they get to bring that, and then we get to share that, um, whether it's through tears, joy, laughter, whatever it is, then I think it makes everybody stronger.
1: <laughs> My heart's booming inside listening to you, Ron. It really, really is. <laughs> this is not the typical conversation with a CEO of a multi current business.
0: You know, I'm so passionate with what I learned. And you asked me something at the beginning about just starting this company. And one of the things that I felt that I learned as a young person is that, go to work, leave your personal shit at home and you do your best and you're going to succeed. And I felt like there's something wrong with me because it always followed me. I used to think there's just, you know, I was singled out and I was the only one that couldn't leave my, couldn't leave my personal shit at home. But We're all the same. And I think as leaders, when we can use all that and help people heal and go on their own journeys, it just makes organizations stronger and it makes change in the world and it makes an impact Um, that we can all be proud of, and that I would say we need in our world now more than ever. COVID, the pandemic, has really accelerated, I think, the change in the world. So we have to show up uh, as leaders that can help to to guide people through that change and ultimately be able to to be of service.
1: So um, what would you recommend to leaders who want to pivot their companies towards being a conscious capitalist company or a company that's a force for good
0: so what i would say is you have to do the work yourself i've heard stories multiple stories with leaders that say you know what i want this for my business so can i have somebody from my team call you and they can just do (laughs) it for us you can't um, delegate this start with yourself find other companies that are doing it um and Figure out a way to go on your own journey because it will start with you and it will radiate out from you as you start to change.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Great way to end it. So I've got a final piece I ask all my guests and ask you simply to finish off the sentence in the perspective of um, capitalism, just capitalism per se. So the first sentence I'd like you to finish off is, I like. What is it that you like about capitalism?
0: I like the opportunity to actually make change in the world.
1: Okay. Next one. I wish. What do you wish for capitalism?
0: I wish that it actually will change the world.
1: Okay. And the third one. I wonder. What is it that you wonder about capitalism?
0: I wonder what we need to do as conscious leaders of organizations to help inspire other leaders to be able to be okay making the difference that they want to see in the world.
1: So, Ron, where does uh, one of my listeners go to find out more about you or the business?
0: Um, Probably the best way is on LinkedIn. Um, I believe it's Ron L. Hill on LinkedIn. Instagram, I am Elgato1125. That's a whole different conversation how I came up with that. What's your uh, future all about? Well, you know, one of the things that I would say, my my role at um, Redemption Plus was the chief enrichment officer. And I feel like I'm going to take that with me wherever I'm going to go. Whatever I do next is going to be about the conversation that we're having. Um, it's going to be uh, a company that helps inspire others um, to build lives around people, profit, and planet. That was awesome. Thank you, sir.
1: (laughs) Man, what a genuine, thoughtful guy. It's so clear how his family crisis really shaped who he is, what he stands for, and how he's healed himself, the family, and his business. A few things that resonated with me were, business top line was growing, but the profits weren't. The solution he ultimately found was not cost cutting or streamlining, it was through repurposing the business, which in turn aligned and re-energized everyone into a stronger, committed and focused team. Two, we don't learn about empathy and that we can care as leaders. So my challenge to you is to check in with yourself and ask how you're showing up for your people. Are you showing up because it's part of your job or are you showing up because you genuinely care because the difference will be clear? Three, sustained change is not about making a big jump. It's about a journey and just starting to walk and becoming better each day. I'll be talking to more CEOs and business owners in the coming months. If you think this was good and interesting use of your time, please do share. The best form of marketing is recommendations. So even if you share with one other person, that helps me fulfill my purpose by getting the message out there that businesses are, can be a force for good. And for that, I will forever be grateful. Thanks for listening. And until next time. This was hosted by Ravi Rai. You can connect with Ravi on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Ravi FPC. This series is sponsored by Four Points Consulting. We make change happen with conscience and with purpose. Check us out at www.fourpoints.net. That's www.fourpoints.net.